G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, you've probably seen a constant barrage of issues in the media and a lot of those around Australian drug laws. Uh, The idea that the Greens want to legalise marijuana in Australia and undoubtedly will become a continuing platform in the lead up to the next federal election. And it does strike a chord with a lot of Australians who use drugs on a regular basis, especially the drug marijuana. So let's talk about some of the propaganda that you're likely to see in the media, the propaganda that props up the current drug policies that it would appear all sides of government seem to have a soft spot for. Let's talk with Shane Varco from Dalgano Institute back with us. Hello, Shane. Welcome back to 2020. Oh, good to be here, Neil. Thank you for having me. Shane, when we talk about the current drug issues in Australia, now a push from the Greens to legalise marijuana, there is a sense in which when we talk about permission-empowered drug policies, these must be coming from somewhere and uh, because it doesn't make common sense when you see what the outcomes are. What sort of propaganda do you think Australians are being exposed to that keep them in the dark about the true issues on drugs in Australia? I think one of the issues around this, Neil, is it's about manufacturing consensus. Now, this is a model that uh, you know, social commentators over the years and professors of, of linguistics and, and literature have talked about. But you manufacture consensus by, by creating um, banning issues, framing the debate, filtering data, and then you, you feed that to the, ma- the masses. And, of course, you know, that's been done you know, from all sides of, of, of the political spectrum for years. You, know, people, you want people to hear your message, therefore you filter it through what you want to filter, through, filter it through. So that's, I get that. So it's not uh, certainly a new phenomena. But when it comes to this particular issue, it is quite disturbing to watch uh, academics, entire medical fields and medical cohorts uh, be either silent or very reticent about coming out and making bold statements. The last time the Greens tried this was about only 12 months ago, I think it was. The AMA pretty much come out at that stage said, look, this is not a good idea. There's too much going on with marijuana. But since that time, so-called our version of medicinal marijuana has been, you know, um, pseudo-released. It's still on trial. But the idea, excuse me, that it's now... You know, medical marijuana is now legal, which is the mantra being chanted, which is not actually true. That means, oh, the, the culture is conceded to this as being okay sort of a drug. But, you know, the AMA came out recently, even uh, with the ABC over the Greens policy, and they said, look, we have some concerns. They're a bit soft on it. They said we have concerns. Obviously, the issues are in Colorado. In Colorado, the, the age for consent for use of marijuana is 21 and we're concerned about uptake earlier on. Same in Australia, the early uptake. Our, our, our age for consent for consumption of, of drugs is 18, and the legal drug of alcohol has been causing incredible damage over the decades because it is legal and socially acceptable. So what they've done now is they've come in with this, using this, which they always intended to use, the so-called medical marijuana model, to enhance the sense of 
of okayness around this drug and then use that. And then you get the media who want to... And it's, it's interesting that there's very few people in the media, very few people that are actually willing to step up to the microphone and and challenges. There are there, <clears throat> excuse me, because this is kind of controversial. It's new. We haven't done this before. There's been an anti-drug sentiment even up until last, you know, 10 years ago. But now it's kind of like, oh, no, 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 we need to change because it's not going away. So therefore, let's make it, let's enhance it. Let's make it worse. You know, if, if, if something's broken, let's not try and fix it. Let's just let it off the leash. And so that's kind of what's been happening. And, and the media have got behind this. It's sensationalism. It draws a debate. You get, you know... It, you get these hot-headed sides of arguments, which they will set up. But where are the academics? And there are, there are literally 23,000 different journals, academic and journal articles in circulation right now, going back 30 years, uh, that talk about the inherent uh, harms, you know, social, physical, psychological, uh, uh, genetic, mutagenic harms, environmental harms of cannabis. Yet they're being ignored uh, and, and, and basically sidelined through these, these one-liner mantras about so-called, you know, purported success of decriminalisation or legalisation of marijuana in other cultures, which is also not true and inaccurate too. But again, all these things that the media come behind it, so you've got this one voice, as I, I might have mentioned last time we spoke, we talked about, you know, one message, one focus, one voice. Well, of course, the one message, one focus and one voice being emerging right now is legalised marijuana, it's okay. And so young people particularly who are very prone to, to listen to that propaganda and think they're part of the cutting-edge, you know, social media generation, I've got my vote, I've got my say, are adding weight to the momentum, the purported momentum, against the evidence that is overwhelming of the harms that it does to individuals, families, society, community and the environment. It's quite frightening. But again, there's this, this manufactured consensus in play at the moment, Neil. So when we talk about propaganda, we're talking about a way that the message is some way skewed, either for political ends or some other motive. Now, when you've got groups that are pushing the drug agenda, and as you say, there's 30 years of solid research that says this is bad and it's being ignored, some people will be saying, well, who is pushing this agenda then? Uh, big names like George Soros, who you mentioned last time we were talking, and uh, then there are the likes of people like Richard Branson or uh, Big Tobacco, people who have an interest in the idea of drugs having a place in society. These sorts of people seem to be behind this push, or is this the sort of thing we ought to be looking at and saying this is where the the, the momentum's coming from? Well, certainly there's, there's no secret anymore about the, the nature of some of the, the big players in, in the global marketplace around the, the pushing of, of the, of the legalisation of drugs, particularly man cannabis, because it's the first one, of course. Once you, the whole idea, you make, make cannabis legal, then it's, then it's cocaine, and then it's heroin, and it's everything else. It's just, it's just an ongoing thing. And they always say it won't happen, but that's what they said about medical marijuana. It won't happen, we won't legalise recreational, <clears throat> recreational use of marijuana, but here we go. So those things are all absolute out-and-out lies from the start or they're just in the end of the wedge arguments which always fail in the end. But, yeah, the players in the marketplace are interesting. And in 2016, there was a United Nations General Assembly special sessions on international drug conventions. Now, that's the drug conventions that are global, that, that govern um, uh, United, Nation, United Nation signatories of how they should manage drug policy. Now, of course, the the 
there's a number of countries that are breaching those policies with injecting rooms, with legalising marijuana. So in America, they're breaking their own federal laws. Uh, states are breaking their own federal laws. They're certainly going against UN conventions. Canada wanting to go against UN conventions. Uruguay is trying to do that. The Netherlands have done that. And by the way, the Netherlands are reversing, reversing policies. Um, of course, they're the ones that first really started to do this back in the 70s. They didn't legalise it or decriminalise it, but they basically, well, they decriminalised it, but they basically made it use of it only in a certain area. Uh, but now they're reversing that because of all the issues that are pertaining to that. So these experiments have been run and done, and the damage has been quite clear. And Portugal is another one that's put up as, you know, oh, this is, this is a, poster, a poster girl, poster boy for you know, drug decriminalisation, and it's failing as well. But that data isn't getting to the marketplace. It's old data or heavily filtered data that's getting to the marketplace. And any risk, any harms that are done in society that are hidden, particularly to young people, and are hidden for the deliberate purposes of unleashing a psychotropic toxin on the culture, that's dangerous. And any government agency and or political party that actually fosters that kind of uh, propaganda machine is actually very dangerous. So these guys like Soros and Branson tried to influence the United Nations General Special Assembly on this. And there was a massive push. They threw hundreds of millions of dollars, this is all on the record, at the pro-drug side of it, to have the UN conventions changed. We put our submissions in, others as well. There's a huge debate. This was a, a, a big deal. They thought they were going to win it. They thought they were going to shift the conventions. Now they didn't. They lost. Now, in the end, the most of the, the countries in the world, the vast majority of countries, in fact, the overwhelming majority of countries say, no, we don't want this. And, of course, it's the First World West and the entitled few with a disposable income that continue to drive these really, really broken agendas. And what's concerning is, like America, I think they, they, they have um, 20% of the world's population and use 80% of the opioids in the world. And most of the illicit drug use that happens in the world happens either in the United States or Northern America and in Europe. But the rest of the world isn't using drugs anywhere near that level. But, of course, they're looking to the West for modelling and they're saying, oh, this is what they're doing. So the permission modelling that's coming out saying, oh, maybe we should try this. And, of course, these cultures, these developing cultures, are only struggling under the weight of already difficult circumstances. And you introduce illicit substances, you create another health-declining, community-declining, uh, family-destroying element that only disempowers productivity, disempowers health, disempowers uh, families and children. And, of course, that seems to be the, the very cool and funky and progressive thing to do. But these agendas are actually doing an incredible disservice to the community. And it's these guys, like like Soros and Open Society and over 300 different groups slash uh, agencies that he actually funds to go into society. that They look like grassroots startups, but they're not. They're actually funded and started by his Open Society group to actually create these movements that seem to be, oh, it's grassroots. It's not grassroots. It's actually manipulated. And unfortunately, the ill-informed and the social media informed, which is almost the same thing, are jumping on board and running with it and to the, their detriment and the detriment of their communities. All you need to do is talk to, to families, any family, and I know personal, personal experience. It's, uh, someone in our family, close in our family, is, is struggling with uh, marijuana addiction and the debilitating and damage done to that person and to the family, the water family, is staggering from one person's misuse of a substance. So you multiply that by you know tens of thousands in the, in the permission culture that legalisation brings... You've got a license to create absolute havoc. And then they're going to turn around and say, we're going to fix it with a healthcare budget. Hmm. Where's the money for that going to come from? Now, there's been, 
there's been an active push uh, for the normalising, the legitimising of the use of marijuana uh, for recreational use that goes back now decades. Yep. And so given that there is decades of of campaigning that's gone on here, this idea of it's an issue that's time has come, uh, this idea of uh, this is, you know, it's inevitable, it's imminently going to happen, uh, this is all part of a propaganda push as well, and no doubt. Oh, of course. And one of the things about uh, momentum-generating uh, mantras is that they have to, to have to have statements like inevitability attached. Uh, there's a great line in the Matrix when, the, when the, the bad guy's got hold of Neo saying, look, that's the sound of inevitability as the train comes down the track. And, of course, he ex- extricated himself from that. Interestingly enough, if, if there was no other model in the world that was successful or we hadn't seen these models fail before, then you could probably say, well, this is an inevitability and this will be a done deal and we're going to have to clean up the mess in 20, 30, 40 years' time. But Sweden, Sweden is the one everyone likes to ignore but they were the first, one of the first nations in the world during the 60s and early 70s to unleash drugs, the very thing that the Greens are wanting to do because it's recreational use, people are doing it, you can't stop it, let's, you know, let's make it a health issue, let them have it, it's not big, that big a deal, and they let it all off the leash. And, of course, it was an absolute chaos. So Sweden became the first nation in the world to reverse their entire policies and go the completely other direction, away from harm reduction models, to harm prevention and demand reduction models, and they've been incredibly successful. How they drug-free? No, they're not. But their drug use in Europe, which is quite high uh, across most of the sectors, is now it's incredibly low. And the other interesting thing is in Singapore, which has got an incredibly zero-tolerance drug policy, which a lot of people will point the finger and say is harsh, uh, but their zero-drug policy in that country makes their, their nation very safe. And I was at a conference last year there for the World Federation Against Drugs, and uh, we were talking with diplomats and, and high-level bureaucrats and, and high-level law enforcement from different sectors. And they were saying, in Singapore, anyone can put their 10-year-old child on any train anywhere in Singapore and they'll get to their destination without being harassed, harangued, assaulted or abused. Diplomats from Belgium were saying, we can't say that about Belgium. We're one of the, we're one of the most liberal drug countries in the world. There are areas, entire areas in our in our cities that we won't go to because the drug use is high. Vancouver in Canada, same deal. Entire neighbourhoods you just don't go to. One of the reasons they lost their uh, world's, world's most livable city was because of that. And so once you legalise it, and Canada's not legalised it yet, but they've got drug use which has basically been enabled and empowered by a soft approach, uh, just a harm reduction only uh, approach to drug use. And so, therefore, they made it a health issue, and it's just exponentially growing. The harms of drug use, the deaths from drug use. We've got more injecting rooms, yet more people are dying from drug overdoses, even with more injecting rooms. So this is by their own admission, because, oh, it's just the nature of the drugs that are on the street. So, again, you've got this model. Please take more drugs. Just be careful using them. Please don't die. Please don't die. With, with our culture, we have tobacco, which is your, the only mantra for tobacco is quit. Now, the mantra for, for alcohol is use responsibly. The, alcohol, the mantra for drug use is use just don't die. And so now we've got injecting rooms and, you know, trying to get up an injecting room in Melbourne and which, by the way, you can't smoke cigarettes. You can shoot up heroin and now ice, but you can't smoke cigarettes. So it, it's this cognitive dissonance and the permission models that have worked in both directions. Sweden have changed their complete model and successfully. We've changed smoking culture completely in this culture 
and they're telling us we can't move, let's say, 10% of the population away from marijuana use. They're telling us we can't do that. It's impossibility. And ridiculous. here we are at risk of making some poor decisions as a nation when it comes to drug policy. Shane Varco, always really appreciate your common sense approach to how we look at uh, drug use and today talking about propaganda and who's pushing the agenda, who's setting up the momentum, uh, what funding is coming in behind this push towards the legalising of marijuana and always appreciate your insights. I'll point people to dalganoinstitute.org.au and that's where you'll be able to find some good common sense understanding of what's happening with the drug culture in Australia and a very good website especially for young people called nobrainer.org.au Shane Varco who heads up Dalgano Institute Shane thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us again today on 2020 Uh, as always my pleasure thank you Neil before you go thanks for listening there's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au and remember vision is listener supported your donation large or small will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across australia and around the world learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au